Welcome to church tonight. You may be seated. Who's had a good week? Yeah? Who's had a medium week? Who's had a hard week? That'll be me. (laughs) You know, God's Word is so wonderful. There's so many times where you come around God's Word, you come to the same verse and passage that you've been taught, you know, by the Lord through circumstances, many, many different things. And God's Word is alive and He's living. And through His precious Holy Spirit, He just illuminates and sometimes teaches us new things or additional things out of His Word. That's happened for me this week through circumstances. Could we have the um, PowerPoint up, please? Thanks, Nick. Nick's doing a fantastic job. Thanks, mate. (laughs) Sound guys, musos, thank you. Um, Pastor James has the theme faith that moves mountains for this month and you'd think that somebody who's been healed of arthritis when they were 17 many many years ago I was crippled with arthritis you'd think that after all that God's done for me this would be a walk in the park for me but it's so hard not so much having faith that moves mountains but it's so hard to be able to express what it is You know, you get the teachings, 10 things that will increase your faith or 10 ways to have faith in God. That's, um, sorry, that's not me, but I just want to try and be practical tonight. And, you know, quite often as a teacher and a preacher, you've got to be able to learn those things yourself. And sometimes God takes you through hard things to learn those things that you would express, be able to express what it is that God wants to say. And so for me... As a diesel fitter, this is the way I understand that you can move mountains. (laughs) I fix these babies, not that one with the the rock on the back, but um, been in the earth moving game for many, many years. And when I, every time I hear faith that moves a mountain, I think of a bulldozer or a truck carrying it away. That's the way that I understand it. But it's quite often something different when it comes to teaching that just want to read this passage of scripture turn with me please to Deuteronomy chapter 31 I really want to center around this verse you know sometimes it's so hard to have faith in God through different circumstances sometimes it's what is that faith and when we're facing a difficult time how do we understand that faith to help us how do we understand that faith in God to actually be there Deuteronomy 31 and verse 8, this is just as the um, children of Israel were preparing to go into the promised land. Moses is, I suppose, giving his final discourse and his final encouragement as he was prevented uh, from going into the promised land himself. And in verse 8 of Deuteronomy chapter 31, we read, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Let me read that again. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. If we can get that in our heart, if we can understand that and appreciate that and embrace that, that's faith that can move a mountain. Let's pray. Father, as we come around your word tonight, Lord, we just ask that your precious Holy Spirit would speak another message to our hearts, one that we can grasp, one that we can understand from 
my words. And Lord, we just want to honor you tonight. We thank you that without you, we are nothing. We thank you that you give us faith. We thank you that it's your precious Holy Spirit living within us that helps us and testifies with our spirit that we are the sons and daughters of the living God. Lord, we pray that we would have faith that moves a mountain. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is where I want to go tonight. This is the, uh, the passages of Scripture. We'll just quickly look at these. In Matthew 17, 20, he replied, this is the disciples or the, or the, um, the father had brought his boy who was demon-possessed and was um, having fits, throwing himself into the fire. The disciples tried to cast out this demon and they couldn't. And so the father brought him to Jesus and, and the disciples said, why couldn't we cast this demon out? Jesus replied, because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Also in Matthew 21 and verse 21, Jesus walked past a fig tree and it had no fruit on it and he cursed it. He said, may this fruit tree never ever bear fruit again. The disciples saw that it withered from the roots immediately. And Jesus replied in Matthew 21, 21, I tell you the truth that if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. Jesus here showed that the power of life, in, life and death is in the power of the tongue. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Now, when we come around these verses of Scripture, are we to understand that we can just walk up to, let's say, Mount Larkham and decide that we want to build a bridge over to the island. So, mountain, Mount Larkham, cast yourself into the sea. Is it something physical that Jesus was talking about? I believe it's mountains. He was talking about problems and circumstances that get in our way. Big problems can be as big as mountains sometimes. And you know... As we go through tonight, I'd like to talk about the faithfulness of God. That's been the hardest lesson that I've had to learn this week, the faithfulness of God. We just read Deuteronomy chapter 31, 8. I'd like to also talk about the unfaithfulness of man. God is faithful, but man is not. Sometimes it's so hard to be faithful, so hard to believe that God is faithful and, and trust Him in everything, in every circumstance. And then finally, I'd like to look at these two things as we wait on God in Isaiah 40, 31, that we can turn mountains into molehills and they become stepping stones in our destiny where God wants to take us, the way that God wants to use us. The faithfulness of God, Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 8. You know, roughly 10 years ago when I was pastoring in Carnarvon in Western Australia, I used to have this favourite spot on the beach, it was a, uh, a fascine. It was like a waterfront in the town area. This is in, in WA. And out in front of that fascine was a spit that used to go out into the water. And you could drive right around. And I used to walk and talk with God out on this beach. And I'd find him there all the time. And then after some time, it was like, it was roughly 10 years ago, it was like I'd go there to meet with God and he wasn't there. God, where are you? Where are you, Lord? I'd go there, I'd prepare my heart, I'd read the Word, I'd take the Bible with me, and I just couldn't find God there. It was almost like the heavens were shut up as brass, but I felt 
Not that God had abandoned me, but that God was drawing me to come closer to Him. And sometimes in our life when we feel, we could even feel that God's abandoned us, but quite often God just takes almost a step back and just wants us to come near and draw nearer to Him. He's, he's calling us to come further. And I remember this time, it was a lovely spot on the beach and it was like, the atmosphere there was wonderful, but God's, it seemed like God's presence wasn't there. Then one day I took my dog out and I took him out to the mangroves. And in the mangroves, it was the last place I would have thought that God would meet me there. I had sandfly bites and, you know, I was just noticing, I, I was just praying and I was just feeling God's presence in that place as I was sitting by the water. Crazy dog was jumping through the long grass. You'd just see his head and his tail bouncing through the grass after big grasshoppers going everywhere. And I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me out of that and say that you're not gonna, you don't love me, you don't see me, and you don't know me. I was like, and I think I've shared this before, but I want to say this week is like a 10-year closing of that chapter. And I said to God, that's not fair, Lord. I do love you. And I do know you. And sometimes I don't see you, but I want to see you. And he said, just wait a minute. You're always interrupting like you're going to. And I just felt at that moment, like the dog jumping through the grass, I just felt that God was calling me to jump off, almost like jump off a cliff into the unknown and trust him with my whole heart, trust him even more. And I just knew that whatever was going to happen, there was going to come circumstances that would help that to happen, I suppose. And God was just wanting me to jump off what I knew and what I understood. And, you know, one night, my dog, I was heartbroken. My dog took off. There was fireworks in the town. They had like a big um, festival at the waterfront. My dog got scared and took off. He was about one and a half. Jumped over a fence that was about that high. And we saw the paw prints. We couldn't find him. But we saw a bit of fur. must have been off his chest as he jumped over it. And he took off, and I was heartbroken, absolutely devastated. I thought, this bit's a dog that, you know, that I got for free. didn't cost me anything, but I missed him. I was heartbroken. And as I was driving around the town, I didn't know where to go, but I just kept calling, and I couldn't find him. I couldn't find him anywhere. And I was heartbroken. And that night, as I lay down to go to sleep, I just felt God say, remember, 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 I want you to come nearer. And this is my heart, I felt the Holy Spirit say, this is my heart when people walk away from me, when people become, or, or the lost, or even those who have known Him walk away from Him. And I felt the Lord say that if you felt the weight of my whole heart, it would probably crush you, it would kill you, and I'm just allowing you to feel a little bit of that heartbreak. And that's what I was feeling Exactly 24 hours later, after the fireworks had started at 7 o'clock the night before, I'd left the gate open just hoping, wishing that he would come home. And here he was just outside the door, busted up, shivering. He'd been hit by a car. He'd run off somewhere and been hit by a car. And I was that overjoyed and I felt in that moment the Lord say, this is my heart when people come back to me. This is my heart when the lost sinner returns this is my heart and I just felt like you know through my dog the Lord was teaching me things now I might get a little bit emotional 
this week I had to put my dog down. He had cancer in his foot. And, you know, God just showed me something. I knew I had nothing this week for this message. I'd prepared a couple of verses and I just had a few ideas. And I just felt as I was preparing uh, to do this that the Lord was going to show me a really hard lesson out of this, but the greatest lesson that I've ever learnt about his faithfulness. And it's been 10 years in the making and I felt God say to me, remember, remember, remember. On Thursday, I took the day off work and spent some time with him and, and dealt with that and buried him. And as I come home, where was he? I was just looking for him at the gate, looking for him at the back door. He was 11 and a half years old, part of our lives, and I was just looking for him, and he wasn't there. And I felt the Lord say to me, this is, I, I wrote this down, still expecting to see him often, but, not, but knowing that I never will again, disappointed and heartbroken. I was bawling my eyes out in the shower that night, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me out of my heartbreak and grief. I will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you always, in front of you and behind you and always alongside of you. Look for me always and I will be there. Call me and I'll be there. I wait for you longing to be your closest companion, that you would only know me and love me and see me more i will never leave you nor forsake you and you know as i was looking at this it took me back to this passage of scripture in isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31 those who hope in the lord or those who wait in the on the lord will renew their strength and this word hope or wait means this there's one as couple of meanings to it and God just brought this meaning to me afresh as I was looking into it again those who hope in the Lord those who wait on the Lord remember we're talking about the faithfulness of God this word korvah the Hebrew word it means to wait to look for to hope to expect to look eagerly or lie in wait for folks God is so faithful that's what he does for us as we wait upon him he looks for us. He hopes that we will come to him. He expects to see us and we can expect to see him. And he lies in wait for us. He eagerly expects us to come and spend time in his presence. The unfaithfulness of man. Genesis 15 verses 1 to 18. You can turn there in your Bibles if you want to. I'm just going to read through and just uh, skip a few verses here and there. Genesis 15, verses 1 to 18. This illustrates when God was cutting covenant with Abram. God was going to promise him that he would be the father of many nations. And Abram came before him and he asked the question, or he made the statement, when God said to him, Abram, I am your shield, your very great re reward. And in verse 3, Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And it names Eliza of Damascus. The Lord said to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. Verse 5, 
Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to them, So shall your offspring be. Verse 6, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Verse 9, So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all of these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Verse 12, As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. This is exactly the same in some translations. It says that he was put into a trance, just like John when he wrote Revelation, when he saw those visions. He was there, but he wasn't able to participate in what was happening. God had put him into a, a deep sleep. He was, in a way, uh, immobilized and not able to participate. To pis- sorry, to participate, because in cutting covenant, what would happen in that day? They would two parties who wanted to make a promise or a covenant to each other would cut the animals in half. They would lay the bu- the two halves of the animals side by side, uh, or, or opposite each other. And together they would walk through the animals. They would turn around and walk back again. And it was the thought, almost a, a, a curse, but it was, it was not a curse. It was a promise that we, we promise to keep or uphold this covenant one with the other or else the other one could do what we've done to the animals today if we don't keep the promise. And so Abram prepared this promise. It's quite gruesome to think about and I found a little picture on the internet there, but God put Abram in this deep sleep because he knew that Abram wouldn't be able to keep his side of the bargain. He wouldn't be able to be faithful to trusting in God for this promise. Verse 12, As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. But isn't hindsight a wonderful thing? We know that the people of Israel were in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. Abram didn't know this. But I will punish the nation in verse 14. They serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot or a smoking furnace with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces was the presence of God. God was saying as he passed through the pieces in his presence, I promise to uphold this covenant. I promise to uphold you will be the father of many nations. I promise to uphold you will come back to this land. I promise to uphold you will live to a ripe old age. When the sun had set, sorry, on verse 18, on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, I give you this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. Abram was put into a deep sleep or a trance, but he was unable to take part in what was going on but he was immobilized and not able to participate. The implication of this covenant-cutting ceremony is that the two parties would prepare the animals, walk through the pieces together, and take on an oath that if they didn't keep the promise made by the other party or made, 
The other party would do to them what would had, had been done to the animals. It was a reminder to be faithful to the promises made. God is ever faithful to his promises, but man is not. Abram was, keep, was kept from passing between the pieces because time and time again he would be unfaithful in believing God's promises. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13 says, If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So God is faithful. Man, us, are unfaithful. There's so many times that we doubt. So many times that we, I suppose, dismiss or, or we doubt the faithfulness of God to his promises. But we know that in Isaiah 40, 31, as we come to that place of waiting on God, as we come to that place of being one with him, that verse again, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. As we become one with our God, as we take on his faithfulness in, in, in exchange for our unfaithfulness, that word kovar means to wait, to look for, to hope, to expect, to look eagerly or to lie and wait for. There's also another meaning, and God put this together as I was looking at this. It means to collect, to bind together, to plait like three strands into one, to exchange and to make as one. Make as one. God wants us to come to him, to wait on him, to hope on him, hope on his faithfulness, that we would exchange our unfaithfulness for his faithfulness, that we would exchange everything that is God, our our tiredness, our laziness, I suppose, in, in sometimes when we come before him, everything that we are not, he is, and he wants us to wait on him and hope on him and expect and see that change in us. And in doing so, when we exchange our unfaithfulness for his faithfulness, we can turn those mountains into molehills. They become stepping stones. When we wait on God, when our hope is in Him, there comes a binding together with His heart. At this time, there comes an exchange, our strength for His weakness. In this exchange, our mountains become molehills or stepping stones. Big problems become ways out. And you know, from these, these passages of, of Scripture that we've looked at, you know, the Bible says to have faith and do not doubt. When we doubt, the problem is a big mountain. However, when we have faith, the problem becomes as small as a mustard seed. The Bible says, or Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can overcome that mountain. When we have doubt, things are impossibilities. However, when we have faith, they become possibilities. Our obstacles, when we doubt, become clear paths through faith. Our problems in doubt become solutions. And as Jesus cursed that fig tree, when we doubt, there's only death. When we have faith, we can have life. In doubt, there's only fear. But in faith, greater is he that is in, within you than he that is in the world. Hebrews 11.1, 1, we've heard this taught many times in faith. Now, faith is being sure of what, what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe firstly that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. 
James 2.17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. This isn't talking about we have to have works to have salvation. No, if we have faith in God, if we believe in God, then it causes us to step out. It causes us to have hope. It causes us to trust in God. It causes us to rely on Him. It causes us to depend on Him. In doing so, that's faith that moves mountains. Faith that moves mountains. Can I have the the singers and musicians, please, Kate? So what is faith? I haven't brought 10 steps to get more faith. I don't believe that I could share that tonight. I don't believe that I could tell you something that I haven't learnt for myself. I've just shared out of my heart tonight. So what is this faith that moves mountains? When we believe that God is faithful, that's faith. Faith that moves a mountain. When our hope is in Him, that's faith. Faith that moves a mountain. When our trust is in Him, that's faith. Faith that moves a mountain. When we wait on Him, when we're longing for Him, when we lie and wait for Him, when we call on His name, that's faith. Faith that moves a mountain. When we expect Him, when we see Him, when we know Him, and when we love Him, that's faith. Faith that can move a mountain. Romans 12 and verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Let's just stand as we close. I want to read that verse again. It's meant so much to me this week. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. Let me read that again. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Sometimes it's easy to rely on other people to be there for us. It's easy to rely on even our pets to comfort us in our times of need. But God wants to say, when you look for me, when you call for me, I will be there. I will never leave you nor forsake you. When you're facing those mountains, when you're facing those problems, those big problems that look like mountains, that's faith, faith that can move that mountain. Just rely on Him, trust on Him, or trust in Him. He's always there. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Father God, as we just come around Your Word tonight, we just thank You, Lord. Father, I pray that You might encourage us. You might even draw us nearer to You. Father, for those of, of, of us, Lord, that You've been speaking to to come nearer, 
to draw nearer to you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would just encourage our hearts. You would cause us to forget that which we rely on and that which we depend on and just step out, Lord, as, as if jumping off that cliff, Lord, like you spoke to me some 10 years ago. Lord, that you want us to know you more. You want us to see you more and you want us to love you more, Lord. And in doing so, Lord, that's faith, faith that can move a mountain. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just close as, as we sing. Let's sing another song. And folk, if you particularly want prayer, quite happy for the, the prayer team to pray with you. If you just want to come and stand before God and just as an act of God, I'm just fully relying on you. I want to step out and trust you more. You're welcome to come as we sing this closing song. Thanks, Kate.